A reading from Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of the King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star, and when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lindsay. You guys are going to want to leave. You don't want to stand up this whole time, I promise. Merry Christmas, everyone. You guys are a part of history. You are here at our very first Christmas Eve service. How about it? It's awesome. Hopefully it's not our last Christmas Eve service, right? Yeah. Now, it's, uh, this is such a thrill to have you guys here. The wait is almost over. Christmas is almost here. This is our first year where our daughter is super excited about Christmas, which is, I'm realizing it's really, really cruel to have like this tree and these presents just out there taunting her day after day, like just waiting and waiting for the day that she can open. She wakes up every single day as, can I... Can I open my presents today? The answer has always been no. It's been so difficult that we followed the advice of a friend of ours. We had extra boxes. And we wrapped them up. And so now when she asks, can I open up my gift even though it's not Christmas? Just go over there, grab a box, throw it in the fireplace, and just watch it burn. It's uh, super effective. She hasn't, she hasn't asked anymore. Um, Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard for all of us, not only our little ones. Waiting is hard for us, for uh, just being people. Our lives are full of, of carrying our longings. And this is the gift of Advent. Advent is a time where for generations and generations, people who uh, want to follow J Jesus, they remember the practice of waiting. Remembering a time where people were waiting for a, mess, a Messiah, and now on, on this side of Jesus, we are waiting for the time in which Jesus promises to come again, uh, to make things good, to make things restored. And so for us, to learn how to follow Jesus, we have to learn how to wait well. 
So that's why we've been looking at this series, Visions of a Savior, looking at different examples of how people waited well in the season of Advent and then got to see a vision of Jesus, their Savior. And so tonight we're going to look uh, at another character, set of characters in this story, the Magi or the Wise Men. This is a beautiful story because it's so unexpected. It was so unexpected in so many ways and so I, I cannot wait for us to just share this with you. This is an unexpected, unexpected story that begins with an unexpected sign. In verse 1, we have in this story, uh, we have to understand the story, we have to understand who the Magi, Magi were. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. The Magi, or wise men, were people who, they were the most learned people in their class. They were educated. They knew philosophy. They knew other religions. They knew science as much as they did then. And they also knew astrology, which is super important for this story. Because the way in which God spoke to them was through the stars. Which I just love the fact that God comes to us in our native tongue. The different ways that we know how to experience life, God comes to us and speaks to us. And so these influential men, they uh, were in the Far East, probably Persia or Babylon. And then all of a sudden, I have a, I have a little, let's see if it works. Yeah, there it is. I have a little prop tonight. Just because it's Christmas Eve, you guys made the trip, so I thought you deserved a prop. So, all right, so they looked out in this night. So I imagine one of the wise men looking out there and going, okay, that doesn't look right. That looks a little bit odd. And then he waited until he got to see another one of the wise men, and they looked at each other and go, did you see it? I saw it. Did you see it? Yes, I saw it too. And they gathered together, and they started talking about what might this phenomenon be, this, this, the stars this, this, that are out of place, the stars that are too bright, what might this mean? And all of a sudden, this curiosity started being piqued. So for in their culture, the idea of a star was used to promote the birth of a, of a king. In some cultures, the idea of a new god coming was the idea that a star was made. And so for them, they looked at the star, and let me see, yeah, that's west. Okay, so if the star was shining in the west, they might wonder, okay, what, is, or what are the different nations and the people groups and the land that is the west from here? And might they have a new king born to them? And then they returned back to what they do. Remember, they were in charge of knowing about the world. And they returned to different texts from all over the world, maybe even these lands in the West, like the nation of Israel, like the Hebrew nation, and went through their text. Uh, some of us might not know this, but there was a time where the people who are part of the Hebrew nation were taken from there and moved to this place, Persia and Babylon. And much of the writing in the Old Testament was writing to these people who were in captivity, who were in Advent. They were waiting, and these writings were giving them hope that their Advent would come to an end. And much of these writings spoke of the coming of a Messiah one day who would make it right. And so it's not hard to imagine that some of these wise men might have access to these texts and they might start pouring over it and all of a sudden beginning to realize of the promise that one day there would be a new king given to the nation of Israel and what that might mean. Let me just give you one example of this. Isaiah 60. And for some of you, this might blow your mind. 
And that's only if you like the Bible. Uh, Other people, this is just maybe slightly interesting. But this is Isaiah 60. This text was written generations before these wise men. And this is what it says. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, the darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camel will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Might it have been for these wise men to stumble upon that passage, to see the declaration that the heavens gave of a new king and wondered, might this be speaking about what's happening now? I just love imagining these these magi talking about, do you think this is happening, what has been written about generations before is happening in our day and age? And they started talking to each other about what they were going to do about it. Should we send a delegation Should we send other people to go take a look at it? And then one, the crazier one of the Magi said, I'd like to see this with my own eyes. I think think I'm going to go. Are you with me? All right, all right. So why this is a big deal is that journey was somewhere near 600 to 800 miles. This journey would take months. Some people even say up to two years to make this journey, all to see if it was true, all to see if, if what was written about actually was happening. They had a big dose of spiritual curiosity, and I think that is one of God's favorite attributes of people, people who have the spiritual curiosity, wondering what might be the truth, people who are willing to, uh, to seek out what is true, people who have courage to explore, to see. And for them, that kicked off this journey. You know, just so this is a sidebar, but uh, as church planners, we do different research studies of Austin. Austin was, is very peculiar. When people look at Austin from the outside, they go, it doesn't make sense. Because Austin scores really low on religiosity. We don't, there's not much of a care for religion. But it scores incredibly high for spiritual curiosity, spirituality. Almost to say that this community in which we're in, they don't have a care for their form of religion, but they have a deep longing for the spiritual life. Again, I think these people, the people we are around, are some of God's favorite people because they are so curious. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. God's okay with our questions. He's okay with that. So these wise men begin this unexpected journey, and what they find in that journey is an unexpected king. So they see the star, they know the scripture, and they go to find the king. And where would you go if you traveled far, far away and expected to find a king? You'd probably go to the palace, right? You'd go to the king's palace and wondering if there was a new king that was born. And so... If my mind, I imagine these magi talking about, all right, when we get to Israel, we'll go to the palace, we'll present our gifts, 
There'll probably be a huge party, probably be a huge festival celebrating this birth of this new king. And then they actually get there, and the house in which there was supposed to be a party, all the lights are out. <laughs> and they're wondering if they have the wrong address. You know, they're checking their MapQuest or their Google Maps or whatever. Are we in the right spot? And they knock on the door. They go to King Herod, and they uh, shared what they were up to. They shared that they, uh, in verse 2, um, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They were looking for the king of the Jews. The problem is that Herod, there's a couple of problems. Herod was uh, incredibly violent. At this point, he had murdered most of his family because he felt threatened by them. Uh, the second problem is he had a lot of different titles. His favorite, though, it's been documented. His favorite title was the king of the Jews. So when these wise men come in and say, we've heard that there is a new king born and his name is the king of the Jews, there's probably a record scratch moment for everyone in the court. And, you know, people are acting like they had a, a cell phone call. I'm, oh, no, I got to step out for a second. It would have been really, really troubling. And we even see in scripture that it was disturbing in verse 3. Uh, that people were disturbed. They weren't disturbed because of the wise men's presence, but they were disturbed because they knew what this would mean. That King Herod would have a tyrant after this. Much like the beginning of Moses' story, God promised a deliverer, and it brought about a lot of violence. We see in this world that great power and great insecurity are a really, really bad combo. In verse 4, we see what Herod does. He asks uh, together the, the, the religious leaders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they ask them, so where is this Messiah supposed to be born? And they answer in verse 5 and 6, in Bethlehem and Judea, for this is what is, risen, uh, is written, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And the, and the magi go, great, so we're not done traveling? Okay, so how far away is Bethlehem from here? And they look and they go, it's just six miles. <laughs> These men who traveled 600 miles at a minimum were traveling all this way to people who were six miles away from their, the birth of their king, and they had no clue it happened. For me, the tragic characters in this story are, are these chief priests and these teachers of the law, the religious elite, because their savior had come and they had no clue. Why? Because they had stopped seeking. They had stopped searching. If Magi were spiritually curious, they had it all figured out. There was no longing in their hearts. They shut out the advent. They microwaved it. It's done. And for us, it comes to us, is our knowledge of God enough for us to stop seeking him? Are we content in what we've experienced in the past? Or might we be like the Magi who continue to seek out who God is, continue to seek Jesus, to follow him in our days? Knowing about God is not the same as seeking him. There's a world of difference, and the difference are these Pharisees and these Magi, and their difference led them to who got to experience Jesus and who didn't. 
In verse 8, the Magi leave Herod's court with the blessing, go and find this child and let me know so I can go worship him. And uh, for me, I wonder if the Magi, what, what they were thinking about as they left Herod's palace, I wonder if they were thinking, was this whole journey just a waste? Was this whole journey just a mistake? Did we come all this way for nothing? But then something unexpected happens in verse 9. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. You see, they were overjoyed because this good news was for all people. This good news was for them. And even though the very people that this news was supposed to be for, they were clueless, it is for those who are seeking. I love this because the beginning of Jesus' story tells it all. Notice those who find Jesus in the beginning. It was the magi, the foreigners who seemed far from God. Those are the ones who got to see Jesus, as well as the shepherds. They were the uneducated. They were the despised, the ones that were looked down upon. Those people who find Jesus are those people who are willing to seek him. Even before Jesus was able to speak a word, his kingdom was already surprising. His kingdom was doing something unexpected. And you could not have written a better story. All human wisdom says that if you had one shot at this savior of the world thing, you probably wouldn't put it at this infant so unexpected, so dull and odd and so underwhelming. Yet this is the way of God. And the smell of manure to the audience of whatever animals that were there with this poor couple, the most important moment in human history happened. That the savior of this world was born to that setting. Before he even stepped foot in this world, he was already seen as unclean. This is the way of God shows, who shows up in unexpected places in our own life. And so these magi, they are there. They see it in verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. I just love the idea of magi walking up to this house, knocking on the door, their longings, their advent coming to an end. And they open up the door, and they saw the Savior, Jesus, this little baby, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. I love this example of what to do when you find the end of your advent. You humble yourself, you worship, and then you also, you, through, you, you, through gratitude, you give generosity. They presented their treasures, presented with gold and frankincense and myrrh. What are, what are these treasures resembling? Gold resembles a, a treasure that you might give a king or royalty, something really valuable. Frankincense is something you might give to something that is worth to be worshipped. Frankincense was used in a lot of different religious practices. And what about myrrh? Myrrh is a little bit on the odd side. This myrrh is pointing to something unexpected, and this is the unexpected ending. Jesus continued this unexpected life, going to the least likely and pouring himself out until ultimately it led to his unexpected ending. This myrrh is something powerful. This myrrh was something a little bit odd. Myrrh was used uh, to embalm a body. This isn't something you typically bring to a baby shower. It'd be a little bit awkward. This myrrh was used there. If you look back at Isaiah 66, it says, 
this, this uh, prophecy that they're going to come bearing gold and incense or frankincense. But where's the myrrh? I wonder if the Magi, along their two-year-long journey, were pouring over these ancient texts, and I wonder if they knew of something that was going to come in the life of Jesus, that he would actually be killed. That, that the Savior was not come to exist in power, but the Savior was come to lay down his life. Interestingly, in John's gospel, when Jesus had died, Joseph and Nicodemus, they go to prepare his body. And what do they use? They use myrrh. What we see at this beginning of the story points to the unexpected ending. And it's always pointing there. Do you remember the title the Magi used when they asked where Jesus was? Where is the king of the Jews. This first title that Jesus received was also his last title. When upon the cross, above his head, it was declared, here is the king of the Jews. The same Jesus whose birth brought about this brilliance, this light, declaring that the Savior has come. When Jesus died in Luke 23, we see that something supernatural happened as well. In Jesus' last moments, the sun went dark, and darkness covered the world. The same heavens that were declaring the coming of Jesus also said the loss of, of the Savior. The Savior had died. And we see everything was pointing to Jesus. This unexpected beginning was pointing to this unexpected ending. And so it goes for us. These magi, they finished their story by walking home in a different route. And for you, I would leave you with this. Might this unexpected beginning and ending we see with Jesus call us to live unexpected lives? Who from us might need to walk home a different route tonight? Who from us might need a different journey as we look into 2017? God honors those who aren't content with the past, who want to seek him and to find him. All those who knew the answers were the tragic ones because they missed their savior. And who got, to, who got the privilege to see their savior is those people who were filled with courage, who were willing to take a journey of unknown endings, a courage to walk down uncharted roads. For this year, my prayer for my life is that God would give me the courage to walk down roads I haven't walked down before. May that be so for you. Tonight, join the Magi. Look at the stars. Notice all the signs speaking to you. Take notice of your soul. Be filled with courage, with a willingness to seek, to travel, to know Jesus to give God your treasures. For the Magi, they walked home empty-handed, but they were also full of joy.